This this is the Impressions Exchange Podcast. Impressions Exchange Podcast. Where all topics impacting the graphic imaging and printing industry are addressed via in-depth news coverage, analysis, and timely interviews. Hi, I'm Denise Gustafson, Editorial Director for Printing United Alliance and the guest host for the special Printing Impressions podcast series in celebration of Women's History Month, highlighting the women in the printing industry. During this series, I'll have the opportunity to talk with women from all segments of the industry about their experiences and their journey as a woman in the printing industry. So today, it's my pleasure to welcome Maureen Gumbert. She's the marketing director with Aurora Visual. So Maureen, thanks so much for joining us. It is totally my pleasure. Thanks, Denise, for having me. So to get us started, can you describe a little bit about what you do as marketing director? A lot. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't Uh, it always the case, though? Right. right. (laughs) My role as a marketing director at Aurora Visual basically is to develop and conduct all the related marketing strategies, the tactics that go along with it, and create assets to raise our brand awareness and support new business initiatives for the company. I develop a ton of marketing materials to support our sales team and their prospecting efforts. Aurora supports consumer brands and retailers with all their in-store marketing, visual communications, and packaging needs. There's a ton of moving parts, and every day is different. I can only imagine, because I know especially with you, with Aurora, there's the, the wide format side, but... A bulk of what you guys do is on the packaging side. So I can only imagine the 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 things that go on within the organization. So it's very, yeah. very interesting. Thanks. Yeah, I think so too. So how long have you been with Aurora? I've just been with Aurora for two years. Okay. But you've been in the industry a little bit longer than that. I'd say overall about 30 years. <laughs> wow. So how did you get started in print? I think it kind of fell into me or I found it or however you say that, but um, it's basically been my path since I graduated from Indiana University uh, a long time ago uh, with a graphic design degree, kind of dating myself. But uh, my first job um, out of college was performing key line and paste up for a printing company. Uh, I was in Chicago called Premier Graphics. Awesome. So started out and you fell into print. So now after you did that, what else have you done? I mean, obviously you've been in the industry for a long time, so. Yeah, moved around a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've had a lot of different related job titles and roles. After that premier graphic stint, I moved into an art director role for a a small ad agency in Chicago. Uh, We did mostly print media. This is where I had to make a choice between investing in a Mac or a PC. Oh, that um, dreaded choice. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was a hard one because they yeah. were both touting, you know, they were going to be the next best thing, right? So the first time I ever gave a printer a floppy disk, I was terrified. I wasn't sure what I was going to get back. So mm-hmm. welcome to the digital, <laughs> all that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember those things. Yeah. So after about six years in Chicago, we moved back to my hometown of Indianapolis because I wanted to start a family. The timing was not real great. And there was actually a lot of ad agencies laying people off, closing their doors. Coupled with every agency was now using a Mac. (laughs) So I I took a job as a manager of a high-tech science. This is really where I really began my path in signage. I ran all the operations. I designed the signage. I installed a lot of vinyl graphics. And I learned a whole lot about substrates. I can only imagine 
you were just tossed in the deep end, it sounds like. Yeah, it was fun though. So from there, actually on two occasions, I was hired to create uh, large format signage and graphics divisions within two different conventional printing companies from the ground up. Um, mm -hmm. The first one, I was the production manager for Rapke Graphics. And then I was the vice president of signage and graphics division at Sport Graphics. Uh, it was great. I was like a kid in a candy store. I got to buy everything, all the large <laughs> format presses, the finishing equipment. So I got to hire a great team. We did a lot of fun, fun, fun projects, some crazy installations. I really love designing and producing the look and feel of many of the local and national sporting events in the venues. It was a lot of overtime, uh, a lot of weekends, and I just had a little baby. But um, so that kind of led me to my next role. Mm -hmm. um, from there, I moved into a sales executive position for a printing company uh, called KBM out of Cincinnati. They were about a $50 million company at the time, and they had no marketing in place. So I basically created the marketing manager position. Um, that after I was with that company for 12 years, and that actually almost 14. Uh, the last two years, I also, in, in addition to the marketing, I also was the creative director. Um, we had um, overseeing the structural designers for like retail merchandise displays. That was a lot of fun. And now you're at Aurora. And now I'm at Aurora. Yep. Yep. They're also um, obviously a much larger printing company, mm -hmm. um, but they also did not have a marketing person on staff. So I got to create that role. It's so interesting. The fact that you came out of school with a graphic design degree and all the different roles that you had that weren't necessarily graphic design. Well, I use it almost every day. I know, but it's, it's just, it's not, what do you think about a graphic designer? You think of someone behind a computer building yeah. files or whatnot, not necessarily launching a division of a company or, right. you know, it's just interesting yeah. to see that, you know, you have that degree, but with your experience through all the different roles that you had, you really built that up and you have the understanding of what goes into the files, how, to, how that all works. So why, I just thought it was very, very interesting. Yeah. I think being a graphic designer has helped me so much mm -hmm. because you're trying to problem solve and tell a story visually. Yeah. Um, now I just do that visually and verbally, mm -hmm. but it's still literally, I, I am opening Photoshop and Illustrator every day and creating assets, you know, along with the content mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, to kind of do my job. So kind of come full circle for sure. Definitely have. Like I said, it's just very interesting graphic design. And yet you launched divisions, which I right, would never right. have put two and two together. Yeah. And really, that's what made me so successful. Um, my first job at High Tech Signs, when I got into the business, I increased sales 50% for them mm -hmm. just in three years. And really, because I think if you bring that kind of service to somebody to be able to help them create their signage, not just regurgitate whatever the file they give you, it just kind of helps you stand out. So are you happy with your job that you have right now? I love it. I actually love it. Every day is different. It's challenging. I, I get to apply everything I've learned throughout my career in the, in the printing from all sides. And as I just mentioned, that's kind of come full circle. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I really love it. I'm kind of a competitive person. So um, I really love it when I crush my return on investment. So now, you know, with all of the experience that you have, you obviously have learned a lot over the course of the year. So are there any specific lessons that you've learned 
that you would like to share? One really stands out and that was kind of early. I worked for a not very nice person Okay. and um, I would go home very upset sometimes. It took me a couple of years, but I finally realized that no one, not one person can make me feel any certain way. And it's just completely up to me. Mm -hmm. um, so that's been a really good life, life lesson. When I think about, you know, my family life and all that, um, when they say time goes fast, that's definitely an understatement. <laughs> I've learned to try to soak it in, you know, work hard, play hard and mm -hmm. uh, live with no regrets. And I have to say the, the point that you brought out that, you know, no one can make you feel a certain way. It's a completely, that's really up to you. I think it's a hard lesson for everyone to learn, not just women in general, or not just you or me or whoever, right. but it's not necessarily what people say, but it's how we react to it, how Absolutely. we process it. And sometimes that's hard to get past because sometimes it can, like you said, you worked for someone who wasn't so nice. It's hurtful. You know, we're all emotional beings. Right. For sure. But it's perspective, I guess, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it, it really helped me. And I'm glad I learned it early on. <laughs> Definitely. So no, that's a lesson. How about any favorite stories, anything fun or things that could have happened to you you'd like to share? I've got a couple. I don't know how much time we have, but um, one of my most memorable was when I was at Sport Graphics, I designed and produced the event graphics for the Colts, Peyton Manning's, uh, his annual payback bowl fundraiser event. During the process of getting this all designed and created and up, um, I got a call from the head of, his, of the Payback Foundation. And um, he said that Peyton's dad, Archie, was coming to town and expressed that he was not happy with how disorganized Peyton's home office was. So literally, I came up, came over there after work, and I'm talking hundreds of, you know, bobbleheads, Sports Illustrated covers, cereal boxes from his oh, entire dear. career, right? Just yeah. crap ton of stuff. And, um, and it was disorganized. So literally, I gave Peyton homework. I said... It's like one of those TV shows, like, I don't know what's most important to you, mm -hmm. you know, what you want displayed and what you don't. Can you please give me piles? Like, yes, for sure. Yes, maybe if there's room and then no's. So he, I guess, found out later, he stayed up till two in the morning, <laughs> organizing piles of his things. And I came back the next day after work and hung picker, pictures and organized. And it was amazing. Uh, one thing that was really funny was his Heisman trophy and the uh, his MVP from the NFL trophy yeah. were flanking his dartboard in the basement. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully he didn't so, hit them. So we too definitely often. moved them. <laughs> I was going to say that is so unusual and such an opportunity to you know be involved with a project really to the nth degree in some ways. Right. You know, when, when you get that call, you don't say no, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Peyton's I do dad. have a really unusual. Help. <laughs> right, right. For sure. Um, I have an unusual sign installation um, oh, okay. that stands out. I was installing full color banners along the full length of an Olympic sized swimming pool. Okay. It was for an event called Duel in the Pool, which is the USA versus Australia. And so um, I had to do it while treading water. Okay. So how well do you swim? <laughs> I'd take a couple breaks. <laughs> wow. I couldn't. Yeah. So I guess they didn't drain the pool for you. No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, we had to go in after hours and do this late at night because the event, you know, started the next day. So that was interesting. 
that's definitely like above the call of duty in terms right? of installation. I could, you know, usually you're talking about installation. They want it that has to be dry. It has to be clean. No, no, this isn't a chlorinated pool while you, there's water in it and you still have to get everything. Yeah. Out. It was actually kind of embarrassing because dealing with the USA swimming folks, um, I was just dripping wet. Understandable. So now looking back at your career and all the people that you may have worked with, who has been the biggest influence on your career and what lessons have they taught you? I guess I've just been very fortunate that the people I work for hired me to create something new for them. And really they trusted, trusted me to make it happen. I guess the best advice was probably from Bob Kissel at KDM. He told me to not look back or beat myself up once a work-life decision was made. Kind of like an onward and upward mentality. And that's really stuck with me. Comfortable with your decisions. Don't beat yourself up. Yeah. Which is great advice, I think, for everybody. What has really helped you the most to make a career as a woman in printing? What's really made you successful, do you think? I think really the onset. And for me, that's just having a well-rounded education. I did chose to not go to an art school with the purpose that it would make me a better artist, a better communicator, um, to be more exposed to a more diverse education, more diverse set of peers. So not everybody's doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. My factor of success, um, again, comes back to my graphics background. I think it's really helped me excel in every role I had. It's real similar to marketing. Again, I think I alluded to this earlier, but I'm problem solving the best solution, the best way to communicate our brand story. Um, now it's both visual and verbal. I write a ton, ton of content. Thank goodness I can form a sentence or two or a thousand or 2000 or <laughs> whatever's needed. Right, right. So now, you know, those are some of the lessons you learned. Have there been mistakes that you've learned from as well? Uh, yeah, I guess my biggest mistake was not buying a Mac in the late 1980s. <laughs> so you went the PC route. Huh? I'm still on a PC. <sighs> it's all good. <laughs> it hurts my heart. I'm a Mac person. So that hurts. Yeah, my heart. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now looking at women in the printing industry, which we know is very, very much male dominated still, it's getting better. There's been some progress in that regard. As a female, what has been some of the most significant barriers in your career? Or have you ever, have you encountered anything because of your gender? I don't really feel that I have, to be honest. I feel that for the most part, I do have a seat at the table. Yeah. Why do you say that? I say that because I feel valued and trusted to make things happen. I feel like I've just been, people have just let me do what I need to do and trusted that I'll get it done. And I don't think gender has come into play at all. I do have a suspicion that I'm likely not paid equally as a man. Mm -hmm. And I do have some pet peeves, and that's the continued use of the male-specific terms in the workplace, like referring to the entire team as salesmen or pressmen, yeah. um, those kinds of things. Um, can we just please call them people? <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting. Some of that, I don't think it's done with malice behind it. It's just habit in some cases. I mean, you walk into a room, hey, guys. It's not done with malice behind it. It's just, they don't, they don't, some people just don't think through how it's perceived. Um, yeah. I think it's unconscious bias yeah. is what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And we need to be more conscious. 
Mm -hmm. One of the other women I spoke to, she actually, one of the things she did in graduate school was she had some courses in women's studies, which actually helped to really open her eyes as well to a lot of that, you know, the press men, the salesmen, the, just the unconscious bias that we have. And yeah, then the post man, the everything, every man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just interesting to think about it that way and just how, and then the question is, how do we start changing that little things here and there? I'm guessing. I, I call it out every time, every time, <laughs> every time, like really, <laughs> <laughs> which is a good thing. I mean, it's good for the reminders. It's good to make people think outside of what they might be used to. Right. Exactly. I'm sure they don't mean any harm. It's just, yeah. Like them to be a little more conscious about it. Yeah. Honestly, it's habit, I think in some cases, mm -hmm. but those habits can be changed. Absolutely. We just have to keep reminding them. That's Eventually they'll remember. <laughs> Have you, have you dealt with any harassment or discrimination uh, in the workplace because you're a woman? And how did you handle that? There's been a few bad apples in, in my past, um, being on the um, account executive side, working with, you know, some of the people that customers, um, also some of the male vendors, flat out harassment. And I just like to say, I don't like to name call, but sort of like a pig kind of mentality. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I just, the money that I get out of the account or the resource from that person just wasn't important to me. They weren't worth dealing with. Which is understandable. Mm -hmm. Move on. Yeah. And yeah. Just, earlier you mentioned that one of the reasons you moved back to Indian Indianapolis was to start a family and kind of set mm -hmm. down roots. Yeah. So do you feel like you had to choose between having a career and a family? And is that something women are still faced with today? That kind of a choice? I think it's a definitely a choice for many families, honestly, whether you're dad or mom, you know, mm -hmm. I have friends where the dad stayed home. So it's, it's a, it's a choice, you know, either way, really, I think kudos to those that are able to take the time off to raise a family. That's wonderful. At the time, I was the breadwinner, so we would have taken a big hit financially. Mm -hmm. I think I would have probably still worked in some fashion, though, whether it was freelance or something. I think taking the time off would have affected my future path, career path, and I do enjoy working for the most part. Um, I'm really super fortunate uh, for the past 15 years since my son was sick, I've, I've actually worked from home. He attended the after-school enrichment programs and the summer camps. Because I certainly wouldn't have gotten anything done if he was home all day. But it was great because I was able to take an hour to, to volunteer in the art classroom or go on field trip. Our school was just right down the street. So I feel real fortunate in that aspect. And in a way that helps with the work-life balance too, to have a company or the companies that you work with to be flexible, to allow you to do things like that, to really balance your career and your the desires that you have to continue to advance in your career, but also to raise a family. I think it just makes you a better, better person. And, and if you're not happy at work, it's going to show. So mm -hmm. I think that's really important for sure. So is there really ever a thing as balance when it comes to work life? I think it's super important. The concept of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think we all say that, but I don't know if we really practice it. The older I get, I am leaving my office, which literally means going downstairs. I'm better at leaving at the end of the day, I guess. I don't travel too often. 
uh, for business, but I would actually like to do it more because my son's in college. I really hope his generation does a better job at prioritizing the work-life balance. I think Americans in general are programmed and even expected to work way more hours than other countries. I would agree with that. You look at Europe and it's a very different type of lifestyle, whether it's a siesta in the afternoon, whether it's, but they still get all their work done or they have right. off the month of August. Right. Or the pre-hour, yeah, the work week's smaller. There's all kinds of different things. The vacations mm-hmm. are longer, that kind of thing. And I know one thing that I've seen just in looking at in talking with Adrienne Harrison, who's in Printing United Alliance's HR consultant, one thing that she's mentioned is that the newer generations are making changes because they want more of that work-life balance. They're more concerned about things that people would never address a decade ago or even five years ago, and they're demanding it. So it's actually helping the workforce as a whole because in order to attract these people into any industry, the industry has to change. And how they're doing, you know, being flexible, being, you know, with remote or hybrid work, better work-life balance, mental health, all of these other things are now being brought to the fore, which helps everybody in the long run. I I do agree for sure. I think some people might say they're lazy, but maybe they're just really onto something. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and maybe they're also, also just honest with what they need. You know, maybe other generations just weren't honest. Maybe they needed better work-life balance. Maybe they needed the flexibility, but were afraid to say something for fear of losing a job or losing the ability to progress and advance. I don't know. Right. And it's, yeah, I agree with you that um, I know my son's kind of in that boat. He's a senior this year in college and he's definitely got his priorities. Mm -hmm. They're important to him. And I can't fault some of those priorities because, I mean, that's something that I that I advocate for even within our organization. Right. To have that. Now, obviously, you are a director and you also mentioned that you have a suspicion that you might not have pay equity. So has the glass ceiling impacted you at all? And then how can women really start to command that equal pay for the same work? You really have to know what that equal pay is too. (laughs) So definitely do your research, right? So, um, you know, what's the average salary for your role in a company of that size? I think women probably don't assert themselves in the same way that a man might. They're not really willing to ask. And the answer is always no, if you don't ask. You don't ask the question. There's no chance for there to be a yes. Yes. In the same thought about women and characteristics or perspectives that they bring to the workforce. What is unique about women in the workforce? Well, I think we just get stuff done. (laughs) We do. We're task managers. I think we may be a little more organized. We may be a little more sensitive to those we work with. Mm -hmm. Not to say men aren't either, but um, I don't know. I guess those things. We're probably just because of what we do and, and our own personal experiences that we've always had to multitask. I know I have, I'm sure you have, especially raising a family as well. Yeah, a kids. lot of that. So it's a lot of multitasking, making sure things get done. Well, they always say, you want something done, give it to a busy person. <laughs> crazy. It, but it will get done. So do you think women, or do you think companies would 
benefit from having more women in some of those top or C-suite roles? I think just having a well-rounded group of people, including women, you just get different perspective, right? And different mm-hmm. leadership styles. So not everyone in the organization responds the same way to a certain, you know, management style. Yeah. I think having an eclectic group of, again, perspectives, leadership styles, things of that nature is just a really smart thing to do. Now with having, we're starting to see more women entering the the industry. How can we help support other women within our organizations? Well, I believe that confidence, you know, giving people the confidence to um, assert themselves, to believe in themselves. I think that if a company doesn't see your value, I would probably go find somewhere else to work. Mm -hmm. Our company has a program. It's pretty cool. It's called Women in Leadership at Aurora. It's a global program across the whole organization. And it was developed to kind of aim to develop a diverse leadership pipeline and help our women leaders achieve their full potential. Mm -hmm. Uh, We launched this group's, uh, this year's group, about 20 participants last month. Uh, Many others have graduated and actually a decent percentage have been promoted to more leadership roles. And a lot of the women that have gone through the program will will stay on as mentors to all the newbies that are ending the program. That's a fantastic program to have within Aurora to really help support women and to make them feel more confident, to give them the resources that they need. Yeah, it's, it's very cool, I think. Very, very cool. So as we're starting to wrap up, you know, you've been in the industry for a couple of years. So is there <laughs> give anything, or give or take, is there anything you wish you could tell people about the printing industry or your career path that they don't know or they don't realize? Well, first I'd like to say suckers. <laughs> <laughs> Once you're in, it's hard to get out. Um, no, really ink on paper can be exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just follow your passion and create your own path what I would recommend. So how can we appeal to more people? How can this industry, the print industry, appeal to more women to come in? Because that's a a pain point. Yeah, I think really the, um, you know, the the focus on diversity and equity and inclusion, having the kind of like the resources with the women in leadership program that we have, um, really just kind of creating an environment that um, is attractive, right, to to mm-hmm. women. Equal opportunity for all, right? I think that regardless of your race or your gender, obviously you've got to prove that, or the organization has to prove that they value that person's perspective, mm-hmm. uh, reward them for having the necessary skill sets, no matter what color, gender, or whatever you identify with. So what advice would you have for women that are looking to grow within their organizations? Obviously, make sure that those women are part of that leadership program, even if they want to start their own business. What kind of advice would you give to them? I guess don't let the fear of the uncertain get in your way. I was encouraged early on by my family and friends to start my own business. And Mm -hmm. honestly, it seemed very frightening to me. Um, Even though I'd basically done that many times within other companies, I, um, I, I never pulled the trigger. It's, it is frightening, you know, how, you know, you don't have that safety net because you, like you said, you developed companies within other companies, but you had a safety net there in some ways. Exactly. Yeah. Once you go on your own, that's, it's all you. Right. (laughs) You own it for sure. Yes. And in conclusion, what advice would you give for the next generation of female leaders? I would say stand up for yourself for sure. Again, and believe in yourself. 
life is very short. So make sure you're happy in whatever you do. I think that's good advice for everybody, not just leaders or not just women. So Maureen, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. It's fun. It's a good topic. I appreciate that you guys do this each year. Um, And it's really great to hear everyone's journey. Indeed. And everybody is just a little different. It's always interesting to see how they all fell into the market because that's what happens in most cases. Print just sucks them in, like you said. (laughs) I said, suckers. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Maureen, thank you again. I appreciate your time. Okay, I really appreciate it. Thanks, Denise. Thanks.